At least once a year as a church, we like to revisit our values. Uh, and these are four core values that Maria and I prayerfully uh, set out as foundations and boundary lines for us as a new church when we were starting Everyone Church not too long ago. And over this week and next week, we're going to go over those four values. And they are, we follow Jesus, we lean in to faith friendships, we engage in discipleship, and we live mission-minded. And in these four values, we kind of see four focus points of our church. And, you know, you think about, we follow Jesus. Obviously, it's Jesus. <laughs> and also, you know, we lean in the faith friendships. It's about community. It's about community. We're meant to, Christianity is communal. We're meant to do this life together. Uh, we engage in discipleship. It's about discipleship and spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. And, and you know, that overlaps as well with our relationships, our faith friendships, and following Jesus. They all kind of overlap in many ways. And living mission-minded is about mission. So uh, this is what we value as a church. And if you love Jesus, community, discipleship, and mission, you're probably going to love being part of Everyone Church. And if you've been with us for a while and you've heard these, it's always good to revisit them, even my, even for myself, uh, restudying, you know, tweaking, looking, and, and reminding myself, hey, what are we in our boundary lines here of what we believe is valuable for us as a church? And as uh, being a new church, as new people join us, dynamics and context change, we want to keep what we value at the forefront. We love doing this journey of planting everyone church. And it's still early days in many ways. And we also want to share these values because although the church, it belongs to Jesus, obviously, and, and it is has foundational beliefs that have existed for thousands of years, uh, many local churches carry with them a unique DNA. And, and it's in that DNA we find their culture, what they value. It's where the big church becomes the local church. And we are a local church. We're a faith community that exists in a community. We exist in a local context, and we aren't necessarily talking about our core beliefs uh, or doctrines, uh, although you'll find many of them in our values. Uh, you can find our core beliefs uh, on our website. We're part of the Australian Christian Churches, a movement of over a thousand churches in our nation. But the questions we really want to focus on this week and next week is, what does everyone church value? What do we hold in high regard? How do we do things around here? So let's start with the first. And that is, at Everyone Church, we follow Jesus. We pursue Him. We follow Him. His word, His way, His glory. Everyone Church is and always will be about Jesus and our pursuit of Him. Do you follow Him Today, If we want to bring Jesus to everyone everywhere, well, firstly, we have to bring Jesus to us. Well, it starts with us. It starts with our house. It starts with me and you following Jesus. It starts with us knowing him and loving him, walking with him day by day. You know, we don't follow personalities or trends. Jesus said in John 10 verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you know Jesus? Do you know his voice? Does he know you? 
Do you follow him? I, of course, he's God. He knows everyone uh, in a sense. But I think what, you know what I'm trying to say here is, are you following Jesus? Are you really pursuing him in your everyday life? Uh, in, in Jesus' time, uh, when uh, students would find a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, they would, they would follow them so closely. And it, w- it wasn't just learning from them. It was also uh, imitating them in many ways. In fact, ancient Jews had this saying that if you found a good rabbi, you should cover yourself in the dust of his feet and drink in his words thirstily. So you can imagine these these disciples, these followers of a rabbi following them around so close that the dust from their feet would flick on them. It's a little bit gross if you're not a feet person, but it's a very strong and committed standard. Or, or even Jesus just calling himself a shepherd. You know, my sheep, they know me. You know, sheep stay close to the shepherd. A shepherd smells like sheep. So Jesus wants to walk with you closely. He wants you to follow him. Do you know him? Are you following him? Jesus says, my sheep follow me. Uh, my son, Elliot, um, when he was little, he used to do this, this game around the house. And he used to, he'd stand in a place and he would say, all aboard the train, all aboard the train. And it would be up to everybody in the house to drop everything they're doing and stand behind him. And he would start chugging, chugga, 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 chugga. And we would follow him around the house. And if one of us, you know, inevitably got distracted or just fell off, you know, whatever, I got to get back to doing what I was doing. I was washing the dishes or whatever. Uh, he would yell out, hey, get back on the train, get back. On. And you'd have to get back on the train, you know, and in many ways, uh, we are on the Jesus train. Now, I know that's a bit corny, but it's at least an image to help us remind ourselves. And sometimes our, our pursuit of Jesus lacks intentionality. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we're just not dusty enough. And our following of Jesus becomes a dawdle or a religious association. And maybe we get distracted. It's like we stop allowing Jesus to shepherd every part of our lives. We just walk and dawdle at a distance. Why is that? We all need a reminder sometime. Get back on the train. Come on. Get back on the train. In the, in the gospel of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read about the disciples, the followers of Jesus, and we learn about a whole bunch of them. And one we learn uh, in particular about is Peter, Simon Peter. And and we learn really more about him than, than any of the other disciples in some ways. Because good old Peter, the, the more you read about him, you kind of learn that he is a man who followed Jesus, obviously. He was quick to speak and share his opinion. He was seemingly emotional at times. Like he was kind of wore his heart on his sleeve. Good old Peter. And I love Peter's journey with Jesus. And it all starts in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, where we read, Jesus' first encounter with Simon, who would then be called Peter. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. What an invitation. Come, follow me. This is where it all started for Simon Peter. 
and it would begin what one of the most epic journeys a person on earth could have. And he didn't know what was ahead of him. Both Peter and Andrew, they didn't know. They just left their nets right where they were at the Sea of Galilee and followed Jesus. Now let's fast forward. Peter ends up having the most epic journey. And I've listed a whole bunch of things that happened in Peter's life. Jesus heals his sick mother-in-law. There's a miraculous catch of fish. Jesus changes his name from Simon to Peter. Poor Simons. Moment of silence for all the Simons out there. He's he's a witness of, firsthand witness of many miracles, including when Jesus raises a little girl from the dead in Matthew chapter 9. He makes the famous declaration that Jesus is the Christ. He witnesses the transfiguration with James and John. He refuses to allow Jesus to wash his feet. Jesus predicts that he'll deny him three times. He is with Jesus when he prays in the garden of Gethsemane. And then when Jesus is betrayed by Judas, he gets fired up and cuts off the ear of a servant with his sword. He ends up denying Jesus three times, just as he predicted. And after Jesus' death, when the apostles hear of, of Jesus' body not being in the tomb from Mary Magdalene, in Luke 24, we read that Peter is the first to rush to the tomb to claim, uh, to confirm the claim. So we're talking about an epic journey. But when it's all said and done, the highs, the lows, the, the lefts, the rights, after Jesus' death, Peter says these words to his friends in John 21, verse 3. He says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. He goes back to what he always knew to do. He was a fisherman. He had left his nets at the Sea of Galilee only to pick them up again. And while he's fishing, probably lamenting the fact that Jesus had died, his body was no longer in the tomb, Jesus appears to them and He helps them with another miraculous catch of fish. And when the disciples in the boat realize that it's actually Jesus, it says that Peter rips off his tunic, jumps in the water, and runs to Jesus. That's good old Peter, right? And then Jesus and Peter have this conversation. And Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter says, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. That represents the three times that Peter denied Jesus. And then Jesus says to him these famous words. Follow me. Follow me. The same words that started the journey at the same Sea of Galilee, fishing for the same old fish. (laughs) Jesus says, follow me. The invitation at the start was the same as the invitation at the end, which in many ways was still just the beginning of Peter's journey with the Lord. And what was Peter's response? It's kind of funny, actually, in John 21, it says, Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? He's speaking about John. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. (laughs) And isn't that just like us sometimes? I think we're all like Peter from time to time, constantly turning around, constantly comparing, looking at others. When Jesus is saying, hey, hey, what's that to you? You follow me. Follow me. What would Jesus say to you today? Uh, He would say a lot of things, I'm sure, but I'm fairly confident that he would look you right in the eyes and he would say, hey, follow me. Follow me. That's why at Everyone Church, we follow Jesus. This is what we value. Are you following him today? I hope you are. And if not, 
get back on the train, as my son Elliot would say. We follow Jesus, value number one. Our second core value is a massive one. Trigger warning here. At Everyone Church, we lean in to faith friendships. We lean into faith friendships. We look to do life with friends. We love one another. Well, what do I mean by lean in? You can imagine that posture of leaning in. I heard a friend of mine, Pastor Darren Bonnell, who um, uh, is a, he actually at the moment oversees church planning for our movement, the Australian Christian churches in our state. And I heard him share once how church people can be kind of categorized in four different categories. Now, I know categories can be very uh, divisive sometimes, but I think this is rings pretty true. And you tell me if, if, if you agree, uh, but he, these four categories are all out people, lean out people, lean in and all in. All out, lean out, lean in, all in. Now, all out people, they're all out. They want nothing to do with church. You know, you can't convince them, bring in a big enough guest, put on a, a big enough free feed to get them there. Lean out people uh, always are kind of like hanging around and sometimes look like lean in people, but they're much closer to being all out than anything. Lean out people need more convincing all the time about why they should press in to church and not much convincing to miss it or to leave. Lean in people, on the other hand, have an attitude that doesn't need to be convinced into everything. And although they may not be all in just yet, they are not far off. Their their posture is positive. Like you're leaning in to here. And all in people, well, they're planted. They're all in. They don't need arm twisting or motivational speaking. They are all in through it all for the long haul. What category of person are you today? Are you an all out, lean out? Lean in or all in. I've definitely been all of these in my Christian life, in my church life journey. And let me tell you something. Being a lean out person is exhausting. It's no fun at all. Uh, and I get a sense for us, though, in our church planning journey that we have a whole bunch of, of and, and the group is growing, of lean in people. Lean in. And it's up to all of us to, to take the step to become all in. You know, you can't plant a church with anything less than lean in people. Having lean out people and say, hey, come on, let's get on board with this. Oh, it's just, it's, it's a headache. It's painful. All right. But lean in people. Oh man, lean in and all in people. We can get something done. We can start building little by little with lean in and all in people. And I know that things move at, move at the speed of trust. In some ways, it'd be just silly to be all in right away. We need to learn to journey together and trust one another. But I hope that as you lean in, you head towards all in. This is why this is what we mean when we say at Everyone Church we lean in to faith friendships. Our posture is leaning in. Our ears and our eyes are open to faith friendships and genuine community. Now, why is friendship so important? Well, because it's important to God. First and foremost, he didn't design us to walk alone. And Jesus, who it the one that we follow that we just talked about, he showed a pattern of community and friendship in his life. I think that's very, very important for us to note. When Jesus was about to endure the cross, he lays out some very important last teachings to his disciples. And he says this in John 15, verse 12 to 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. 
Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You are my friends, he says. He doesn't just say, you're my like Facebook buds. No, you're my friends, my friends. And in context, Jesus wasn't saying this to everybody. He was saying this to his disciples, to people who followed him, to people who he did life with. Friendship is, that's the core of it, isn't it? Friendship is about sharing my life with someone. It's about giving people access to my life. You may have heard the saying before that Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship, which is so true. Friendship, uh, following Jesus is about being friends with him. Friendship with him, first and foremost. But then Jesus is saying, do the same to each other. Love each other as I have loved you. Wouldn't it just be easy if it was just, oh, just me and the Lord, just me and the Lord, just no one but me and him. And Jesus is saying, hey, hey, it's not just about you and me. It's also about us together. It's about having friends in the faith, the family of God. You know, your walk with Christ, your walk with Jesus, your following of Jesus is meant to be lived out alongside others. We're in this together. And this is the pattern throughout Scripture. The Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, his letters to to churches, encouraging churches, he wrote the, the phrase, my Lord, one time in his writings. But he wrote the phrase, our Lord, 53 times. Because Christianity is communal. It's communal. I can't tell you where I would be if it wasn't for good, godly faith friends. Friends in the faith. I'm not just talking about friends who you go out and and uh, and break all your boundaries with. And I'm not, you know, some people. It's so weird to me when someone who's a committed follower of Jesus has their best buddy, who's like their buddy that they go out and get drunk with. That's not a faith friend. We're talking about faith friends who who. You know, your friends frame your future. Your friendships frame your future. Friends, friends are relational assets. They add value to your life. And friendship is a means to love one another. And, but herein lies the problem because many people and many organizations have abused the value of friendship. They use friendship as a means to an end, not a means to love and encourage one another. Oh, I'll be friends with you until I no longer need you. <laughs> oh, but but let don't let that stop us from leaning in. This is why we have this posture phrase in there, leaning in. You know, when 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 we lead with our past, with our offenses, with our worries, with our with our insecurities, with our fear of getting hurt, with our making ourselves look good and being scared of what people think think of us, our lean in turns into a lean out and a walls up. And it's not right for us to not have any friends in the faith in our home church. If everyone churches your home church, I, my prayer is that you would find faith friends here and that you would learn to be a great friend in the faith. One of my favorite books on the topic of just relationships in, in general is by Dr. Darius Daniels. It's called Relational Intelligence. And he breaks up relationships into four categories. They are friends, associates, assignments, and advisors. It's a great book. I encourage you to listen to it or read it. And uh, so your friends are, they're rare, they're precious friends. Your associates are, are not as rare. They, they exist as long as the association exists. It's like that guy at work that 
I'll never talk to again once I'm not working there anymore. <laughs> I'm sure you have some of them, right? They're, they're not friends. They're just associates. Assignments, are, are, these are so, someone in my life that I may be mentoring for a season. There's a specific reason for your relationship with that person. And then advisors, you are their assignment. These are people that are mentoring you and God has brought them into your life to advise you. And we all encounter these types of relationships and to have relational intelligence, according to Dr. Darius, is, is to know how to manage these types of relationships with wisdom. And many of our relational hurts are when there are misread expectations. It's like when you leave high school and you figure out who's your associate and who's your actual friend. But, but I thought we were friends. I mean, we used to talk in maths every day. Well, no, we weren't friends. We were just associates, right? And this is important to note because church can become an association. It can become an association where we only relate to one another to the extent by which we're associated. Now, the definition of an association is a group of people organized for a joint purpose. So let's be clear. Associations aren't all that bad. Uh, and you're not expected to be best buddies, faith friends with every single person in every one church. Like we're all going to be camping together and 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 like you know, just showing up at each other's house. Uh, uh, like, well, hi, I'm here. I'm your faith friend. I'm here to hang out. No, no, I'm not talking about that. Don't try to do that. Like you, you'll, you'll, you'll knock on our doorbell and we won't answer, right? But uh, another way to put this is some relationships are in my life for a season. Some are for a reason and some are for a lifetime. When we talk about faith friendships, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about purpose partnerships. And that purpose is to pursue Jesus together. Faith friends, friends in the faith. I'm not talking about, as I mentioned before, that mate that you just go out and, I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm talking about people who draw the best out of you, who encourage you to follow the Lord. And Someone who encourages you towards Christ and Christ-likeness. Do you have a faith friend today? In Hebrews 10, 24, it says it this way, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing Near. I mean, we are a new church community. God is weaving us together. I love this idea that, you know, we're not just like, oh, here's so-and-so and so-and-so. They high-five in the foyer, but they want nothing to do with it. No, no. God is weaving us together like a net. He's weaving us together as a church community, as a church family in many ways. And, and the truth is, is many, if not all of us, are in a season of relational reset because we are in a new church. You know, uh, even if you joined our church in day one, it's only been a couple years, you know, you are probably still in a season of relational reset and that's okay. Let's have a lean in to faith friendships. Let's do life together. So at everyone church, we follow Jesus. We pursue him. We follow him and we lean in to faith friendships. We seek to do life with one another. Our posture is lean in. I, I hope that and I say this with grace, but that someone who just wants to just come to church and sit in the back row and disappear and never talk to anyone, they're probably going to have a hard time being part of everyone church because we are a faith friendship community. Amen. And I'm so glad that you would join us and be part of that with us. Jesus and community. And next week, we're going to 
do values three and four and round this all out. But I just want to pray for us today as we journey on this journey of, of establishing everyone church on these core values. Can I pray? Oh, maybe you're, you're here today and you're in a bit of relational deficit. Maybe you haven't been following Jesus the way that you know you should. I want to pray for you today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person that's joining us online today. And I just come before you in a fresh way, Jesus. And I say, I want to follow you. And I pray for every person who is joining us today for church or watching later in the week or whenever. Lord, I pray that we would have a fresh sense of wanting to follow you, Lord, that we would have your dust on us in a sense, Lord, that we would get back on the train, that we would follow you. And not only that, Lord, that we would do it together in faith community, with faith friends. And Lord, we lay down our relational hurts, times where our expectations haven't been met or or where someone has abused trust or, or weaponized friendship as a means to an end. Lord, I pray that you would help us walk in healing and not be scared to lean in to faith friendships and help us know the richness of Christian community in everyone church, that it may impact the world around us and bring you to everyone everywhere. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us this week for Church Online. I hope you can join us next week and we'll see you at an in-person service in the next couple of weeks. We love you. Hey, let's follow Jesus and let's lean in to faith friendships. Come on. You got a friend in me. I hope I have a friend in you. Have a great week.